After our service tonight, we will get into our annual meeting, and this is the marking point, if you will, of the, the new fiscal year. And I thought about uh, all of that and, and moving into the new year that God has for us. I, I wanted to just speak on that and to kind of look back and reflect upon what the Lord has done uh, here over the past year at Latham Bible Baptist Church. Uh, we're going to tie in a few aspects from Psalm 8. So if you'd like, you can turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 8, and we'll touch on a little bit of each verse in a short sermon that I've titled, The Majestic Lord. The Majestic Lord. As we begin a new fiscal year here at Latham Bible Baptist Church, I wanted to, as I mentioned, just take time and look on, look on what the Lord has done over this past year, how he's made it great. While there are many things that we can point to as to the reason for this year being successful, the one who deserves all the credit is our God. Uh, nothing gets done here apart from God's intervention. In Psalm 127, in verse number 1, it tells us, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Now, while that verse is specifically speaking of the house or the home, I think we can all agree that the principle is true with regards to the house of God as well. Everything that happens in God's house depends upon the blessing of God. If we expect the, the same success next year, in this new year, the same dependence upon God will be necessary that we had this past year. God has made it clear that he brings victory, that he brings success when his work is done his way. It is personally so encouraging to see so many eager people interested and encouraged that the Lord's work be done and be done properly. It has been an honor to be able to minister along so many of you over this past year, and there is a lot of excitement in looking ahead to what the Lord is going to do through us next year. It's hard to believe, but I was th sitting back and thinking it has almost been a year since the Lord brought us here. August 1st would mark one year, so uh, we have almost an entire year to look back and reflect upon what the Lord has done, and there's been a lot that we've been, we've been encouraged by. It's been an honor uh, to be able to be here for this past year, and it's been an honor to rub shoulders with you all and to see that God's work is being done. Uh, as we have made it through this year, we have seen the Lord work in many different ways, and one thing is certain, as we've seen different things done, our God is just amazing. Uh, the Lord is, is truly, truly amazing. There is always more that we could have done, certainly, but just focusing on what was done, it is truly only because the Lord empowered us and equipped us to do what we've been able to do. How he can use, and this is no offense to you, but a ragtag group of people like us to do anything is nothing short of amazing. God is awesome. And it isn't that, and isn't really that the point, that we serve an awesome God. If we were all these highly trained, highly skilled, highly equipped geniuses, we would all be boasting in ourselves at the end of the year, looking back at what we were able to accomplish over the course of the year. And as you, you look at even scripture and you, you see instances where God used people that weren't properly equipped and accomplished something great, you see that the credit and the honor can only go to God. You think about what happened there in Nehemiah's day as he returned from Babylon and he returned to Jerusalem and they're building the wall around Jerusalem 
And what was truly incredible is that there weren't skilled architects, there weren't masons, there weren't engineers who were outside and instructing how the wall should be built and, and what resources and what equipment should be utilized to make sure that the, the wall would be built and last and be sturdy enough. And what you had was just a, a group of everyday people, ordinary people who weren't skilled laborers, but were able to pick up a shovel, who were able to get their hands dirty and see that God's work was being done. And the wall was completed in 52 days work. And if you go to Jerusalem today, you can still see remnants of that wall, that same wall still standing. And that is truly a testament to how good and powerful our God truly is. I want you to listen to the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 31, it talks about just how God uses anyone. Uh, regardless of your skill level, regardless of the level of intellect, God uses anyone who is willing to be used. And it says here in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31, it says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That is what I want for us. That regardless of how much training we have, regardless of how well educated we may be, that we are just eager to get God's work done and understanding that he is the one who's going to empower us to do whatever it is that we set ourselves to do here at Latham Bible Baptist Church. But at the end of the day, we recognize that God is the one who deserves all the praise and all the glory. That's what I want for every one of us. Not just this year, but every year until the Lord returns. As long as this building stands, as long as we're still here, I want that to be what we live for, to give God glory as we do his work his way. I want us to be a body of believers who recognize and acknowledge our insufficiency in ourselves, but our sufficiency in our Savior. The truth is, though, we will never glory in God until we stop glorying in ourselves. I want us never boasting in what we were able to do, in how successful we were able to be, but how great our God is. I want us constantly boasting in the power and sufficiency of our Lord and Savior. I want us to be constantly encouraged that as God puts his hand upon us and any man who otherwise was worthless and useless before, God can make us all valuable. And in that same mindset, I'd like to share with you this evening of the excellence of God and the reasons we have to be joyful in Him in this new year that we are looking forward to. Regardless of what this past year may have been like, God has given us a new year that, in which we have infinitely more reasons to rejoice in Him and to rejoice in His excellence. The joy that we have as believers it should continue within our hearts each and every day of this new year that the Lord has given us because every day that God has given us is a new opportunity to be aware of who he is and to be aware of how great he is. David declared in Psalm 34 and verse number one, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. 
The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Now this should be the mindset every day that we have, that the Lord gives us, that we have every reason to praise his name continually. Every single day, his praise should be in our mouth. There is so much negativity in the world around us, so much that can easily pull all of our attention and pull our focus away from acknowledging the greatness of God and all the reasons that we have to rejoice and to praise Him. And we can easily fall into the trap of ignoring the goodness of God in what He's doing personally for our lives and corporately as a church. And that is why it's so important to be daily in God's Word so that our minds are constantly drawn back to all the reasons we have to be thankful, all the reasons we have to be appreciative and rejoicing in the blessings of God. God has done far too much for us in the past. He does far too much for us in the present, and he has promised to, to do far much, uh, so much for us in the future for us to be ignoring his word and not boasting in what he has done. The psalmist David realized that his life should be characterized by a continuous show of praise to God. And even though David was far from perfect, he understood that in the midst of all of the uncertainty of this world, God remained faithful and true, and God is always deserving of our praise. So the passage that we're going to be looking at here quickly, Psalm 8, a psalm of David, it provides for us an excellent expression of the recognition of the greatness of God in the heart of a man who was faithfully looking to God with his whole heart. I want you to listen to the words of the psalm. I'm going to read the entire psalm. It's nine verses, and we'll come back and touch on a few of these verses in just a moment. Psalm 8 begins, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Have you ever sat back and asked the question, Why me, Lord? Why me? Now, so many times... We do that. We ask that question when things are going wrong. If we lose somebody we love, if we get a horrible diagnosis, if something bad happens in our life, if a door that you've been praying for God to open remains closed to you, when he seems to be opening doors for everyone else and providing blessing for everyone else, many times the first thing that we want to say or the first thing that we do end up saying is, why me, Lord? Why do I seem to always get the short end of the stick? Why me and Everyone else seems to be the object of your blessing. When things seem to not make sense, that seems to be our go-to question. Why me? But do you ever find yourself asking that same question when things are going good? Probably not. When everything in your life is just going perfectly. When there is not a single problem that you're facing. How many of you have stopped and sat back and thought, Why me, Lord? Why is everything so good right now in my life? Why is everything just working so perfectly? Why does church seem to be going so great? Why does my life and my family seem to be doing so good? Why is everything in my life just honoring you and just firing on all cylinders? Why me, Lord? Why are you so good to me? Well, maybe few of us have. 
But generally, most of the time we ask that question, it's in the negative. Something bad has happened, something horrible is going on in our lives, and we're trying to figure out why this negative has come upon us. But I guarantee that even if you've, you've asked this question, and regardless of the scenario you asked it, rarely do we ask, why me, Lord, when life is going great? When God's hand of blessing is so clearly seen in your life, we rarely ask that because we almost come to the understanding that it's expected that God should be good to us. So it's not a surprise that God is good to us in those good seasons of life. It's more of a shock to us when life isn't going good, then we'll go to God and say, why me? I was expecting the Christian life to be a life of smooth sailing. Why has this trouble come? Why am I dealing with these hardships? Why am I dealing with sickness? Why am I losing people left and right? Why me? But that's what the psalmist is doing here. Things are going good for him. And he's asking this question, why me, Lord? You can almost picture him laying on his back as he mentions in verse number three, considering the heavens, the work of thy fingers. You can almost picture David laying on his back in the middle of an absolutely clear night, staring up at the stars and thinking this, why me, Lord? Maybe that's what we need to do tonight. Maybe we need to spend some time thinking about the way the Lord has blessed us this past year. No matter what has gone on in your life this past year, God has blessed you in some way. This psalm, interestingly enough, it starts and it ends the same way. It starts and ends with the biggest blessing we have. And go back to verse number one. Notice how the psalmist begins. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. He says at the beginning four words. O Lord, our Lord. Think about that for a minute. If that were the entire psalm, four words, O Lord, our Lord, period, next psalm. If that was all of Psalm 8, wouldn't that be enough? O Lord, our Lord. Think about what those four words are saying. Don't skip over it. David is acknowledging the fact that this all-sufficient, almighty, all-powerful, the God of eternity chooses to be our God. O Lord, our Lord. Now we can read through that so quickly and end up missing so much. Don't shortchange what is being said here. Let it sink in. In and of himself, God is completely sufficient. And that means that God doesn't need anything. He wasn't sitting up in heaven one day and talking with his son and the Holy Spirit thinking, you know what we're missing? We're missing some people. We're missing some people living on a place that we're going to call earth and who are going to sin, who are going to rebel against us, who are going to you know, have so much unbelief and rejection of us. We need that in our lives to make ourselves complete. No. In and of himself, God is completely sufficient. He doesn't need anything. He is completely fulfilled, completely satisfied with just his relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He was never lonely. God was never needy. God was never discontent. But for some reason, which often we wonder, is it ever going to be explained to us? God chose to create us. He chose to create human beings for, I believe, the sole purpose of Him being our Lord. O oh Lord, our Lord, He says. If God did nothing else for us other than being our Lord, the truth of these four words would be infinitely more than enough. That would be enough 
for each and every one of us to proclaim his name as excellent. That would be enough to proclaim his name as majestic. That would be enough to proclaim the name of God worthy of all praise and honor and glory. O Lord, our Lord. Incredible what just four words can say, but that third word, our, he is our Lord. Truly, a lot deeper than what we often think about. But then he gives us so much more. First, he gives us the assurance of his control. God gives us the assurance of his control. Look again at verses one and two here. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. God gives us the assurance of his control. What comfort is there? And truly, it's an amazing thing in knowing that God is in control. And all-knowing and all-powerful and all-righteous, holy, loving, and gracious God, he is in control of everything that happens here. There's a wonderful assurance that that brings to know that this Lord, who is your Lord, has everything under control. It may seem at times that your world is falling apart. You may look down and see the ground beneath your feet crumbling, and you're wondering, why me? Lord, what are you doing? He is always in control. If you're trusting in him, God is always in control. And think about how awesome that is uh, from, from just day to day. Small things, big things, whatever it may be, our Lord is never sitting on his throne in heaven thinking, man, I wonder how I'm going to deal with this person's problem down on earth because that is a doozy. I certainly never saw that one coming. No. He is completely in control of everything and he gives us the assurance that he is control, that he is in control. He has set the, thy glory above the heavens. Out of the, ma- out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because thine enemies thou, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. God is completely in control. From the seventh day of creation all the way on through the fourth chapter in the book of Hebrews, we read about rest being an important part of an important theme of God's word. And why is that? Why do you think rest is important? Because the only time you can truly rest is when you're at peace. You can't rest when there's nothing but stress and turmoil and anxious thoughts going through your mind, can you? I haven't been able to do that. You can't rest. You're restless until you have peace. And the only time you have peace is when you know that you are safe, when you know that things are taken care of. That there may be some unforeseen circumstances that come up in your lives that are way beyond your control. And they cause you to feel unsafe. They cause you to become unsettled. But no matter how out of control our lives may be, and no matter how unsettling things may come and, and happen in our lives, God is still on his throne and God is always in control. God was in control from the very beginning of time and God is still in control today and God will always be in control every day from here on forth. And isn't it wonderful how he shows us that he is in control? He shows us in the awesome grandeur of creation. Look again at what it says here in verse number one. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. He shows us in the supreme humility of even our weakest moments. He sets his glory, the Bible says, above the heavens. He shows his strength through the weakest and most helpless people. Have there been times this past year when you have been made weak, when God has just seemingly pulled the rug out from underneath you and dropped you to your knees to where you were completely humbled and unable to do anything on your own? Maybe there have been times this this week that that has happened. 
But have there been times when you've thought, how am I going to make it through this? And you can fill in the blank what this may be. How am I going to figure this out? How am I going to figure it out? And this may sound strange, but what a blessing it is to wonder how you're going to make it. How you're going to figure out these issues. How you're going to deal with the problems that tomorrow hold. What a blessing because unless the Lord was truly in control of everything, you would not have made it. You would not have gotten through. You would not have had those problems and those issues and those worries and those concerns all met. I encourage you, if, if you are one who worries and stresses about certain things, write them down. Write them down every single day if there's something new. If it's still the same issue every single day, write it down. Keep writing it down every single day. And check back within a month to see how the Lord worked out those issues. Because nine times out of ten, the things that we worry about the most don't actually end up happening. And don't think because you've worried about it, you've avoided the problem, that the worrying actually helped you escape it. That's not the way it works. But nine times out of ten, the Lord who is in control and who is always in control works out these issues and these concerns never become an issue. Pray that the Lord will give you the eyes to see how he was shown to be strong in your times of weakness in the past. In those times when you felt as helpless as a nursing baby, remind yourself how God stilled the enemy. Isn't there comfort in that? Isn't there comfort in the fact that nothing will come against you that hasn't first passed through the hands of an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God? Isn't there comfort in the fact that God has promised that no matter what things might look like today, God is working all these things out even for our good? Look back on your life. Look back on this year and see how God worked in those times, particularly in those difficult seasons of life. See God in those times and thank him that he has been in control and continues to be in control. The Lord gives us the assurance of his control, but secondly, he gives us the assurance of his love. He gives us the assurance of his love. Look at verses 3 and 4. Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. He says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? There have been times where on a really clear and crystal night, crystal clear night, that I've looked up in the night sky and just thought about all the different stars that I'm able to see and how vast and immense the universe really is. Uh, looking at the great number of stars and how it is that God holds everything about this world and this universe in its perfect place, he has caused me to think about how small we are in the grand scope of this universe. What are man? What are we? This world is so big. If you just grabbed a globe and looked at a globe, and it really helps to put things into perspective on how big things are and how little we are. We're less than a pin on a map. And on some maps, Latham doesn't even appear. When you get thinking about all that, you can easily begin to feel incredibly small and incredibly insignificant. Then you put that in perspective of our entire planet. And then you put our planet in perspective of our entire galaxy. And then you put our galaxy in the perspective of the entire universe. And now, if you really think about it that way, doesn't it make you feel incredibly small and incredibly insignificant? When I picture the psalmist here looking up at the stars, that's what I think is going through in his mind. That's what I think he's thinking about. With all that universe that is out there, why, God, do you care about us? What makes us so significant that you would care about us? 
We're so small, we're so frail and seemingly insignificant, even just here on earth. With everything else that you've created, God, why us? Why do you choose to be our God? This planet we're on isn't much, isn't that big in the grand scheme of things, much less the people that are on it. But then again, there are billions of people on this planet. If you've ever stood in an extremely crowded room, you can start to feel insignificant. You can start to feel small, but you're never small and you're never insignificant to God. As a matter of fact, the heavens and the work of his fingers, the moon and the stars, the Bible says he's created them for us. He created them so that when we consider their immensity, the magnificence of all this creation, that we would begin to catch a glimpse of how big and beautiful our God is. What is man that God would pay attention to us? Well, man is the crown jewel of God's creation. Man is the only thing in the entire universe that God cared enough about to create in his very image. But that's just a portion of it. He didn't just love us enough to pay attention to us. God loved us enough to visit us, to attend to us, to join himself to us. Again, it says there in verses 3 and 4, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. He's looking, he's saying, everything you've created, God, holding it in his perfect place. He says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Not just you're thinking about us. He says, and the son of man that thou visitest him. You've joined yourself to us. Who are we? We're insignificant. We're small. We're tiny. We're just nothing. Nothing in the grand scope of things. And yet you haven't just got us on your mind. You're visiting us. You're interacting with, with all that we do here on earth. It's incredible to think about God loving us enough to empty himself of his glory in heaven and become as small as we are. God didn't just create you as some tiny part of his creation and this great big machine that he has. He didn't create you as a little plaything that he can just, you know, dawdle with and round here and there and then, you know, once he's bored with, toss around. He created you so that he might pay attention to you. He created you that he might come to visit you. He created you so that he might live in an intimate and a personal relationship with you. And he did all this so that he can comfort us. He did all this so that he can care for us and provide for us. So that he can grow us and mold us and make us more into the image of his son. He did this so that he can eternally bask in the glory of all of our praises that we offer to him forever. So he can receive glory from the fullness of our complete and total satisfaction and our contentment of joy that he brings us. So thank God for the assurance that he gives of his love. The assurance of his love that he showed in creating you. The assurance of his love that he showed in, in offering you salvation. The assurance of God's love that he shows you in sustaining you from day to day. And the assurance of his love that he will show in keeping you as his child forever. The Lord gives us assurance of his love. And third, he gives us also the assurance of his gifts. God gives us the assurance of his gifts. Look at verses 5 through 8. He says, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast, set, thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. Think about the rich gifts that the Lord has poured out upon Latham Bible Baptist Church over this past year. Think of the gifts that he's given us as individuals, 
as believers and as a church corporately. We've seen successful ministries. We have seen lives changed. We've seen the gospel taught and the name of Jesus lifted up. The Lord has richly blessed us individually and as a whole this past year. For crying out loud, we just finished up VBS and what a fun and exciting week that was. So many kids coming through this building. So many workers eager to do the Lord's work and to see that things are being done in such an orderly fashion. That was so encouraging to see. Luana mentioned to me at middle, middle, I think the middle of the week, she said, you know, at the end of the week, you're gonna see how quickly things get taken down, things get cleaned up. And she's like, everyone sticks around. I said, everyone sticks around? She said, everyone sticks around. I'm like, I don't believe it. Friday, 8.30, 8.45-ish, game show went long, blame the host. We ended VBS. And sure enough, everyone is here. Everyone was working. Everyone was busy taking down decorations and just making sure that the building was cleaned up and looking nice and, and just orderly for church today. All of, all of these people working so diligently. And what a joy it was to be able to work alongside of all of you doing this. I think as we look back, we can see so clearly how the Lord has richly blessed us individually and as a whole this past year. But think about how the Lord has blessed you personally this year. The Bible says that he has made us a little lower than the angels. And this is the Lord saying that he has created you in his, very, in his very likeness. He created you in his image. Now, that likeness and that image has been marred by sin. But God made each and every one of you extremely special. Every single one of us and only human beings can make the claim that we are created in the image of God. He created us special, and he poured his riches of grace onto us. The verse says here in, in verse 5 that he has crowned him with glory and honor. God has crowned us. Verse 1 talks about God's glory and his position above creation. Here he designates us as almost little kings, if you will. Little kings having little crowns over the rest of his creation. That's all for our enjoyment he has given us dominion, it says, over a portion of his incredible kingdom. Now, are we talking about uh, your house and your car and your animals? Yes, in a small way, yes. God has given you dominion over the possessions that you have. But in, not in the ultimate way. Because God has given you real responsibility in his kingdom. He didn't just give you a little paper crown that you might get from Burger King and says, all right, you can be king for a day and get really nothing out of it. He gave you a job to do in his divine kingdom. He gave you gifts to help you do that job. And the wonderful thing about it is that he takes care of all of the results. All that he asks you to do is to use the tools that he has given you. Use them in place, in the places that he has led you. Use them with the people that he has placed around you. That's all that God asks for because he is the one who's going to take care of all the results. He has put all things under your feet. He has given you dominion, it says, over the work of your hands. Real responsibility he's given you. He's given you the tools to perform it and no concern about the results. Just do the work. What a gift that is that he's going to take care of all of it. Think about all the opportunities that the Lord has given you this past year to proclaim his name and to share his truth with others. Think about the voice that he's given you to share that. Think about the audience that he's given you with all the people that he's placed in your life, whether it's your family or your friends or your neighbors or whoever it may be. 
whether it's only the, the grocery store clerk or the, the salesman on the telephone, God gives you opportunities nearly every single day to be a blessing to someone else. That's real responsibility. That's real dominion. That is a real meaningful position in the kingdom of God. So thank God for the assurance of his gifts to you. God has blessed us with more than just possessions. God has blessed us with more than money. God has blessed us with more than cars and houses and lands and all the stuff that we can have to fill all those things that we have. God has even blessed us with more than just children and family and friends. God has blessed you with a place in his kingdom. What a gift. What a gift. The Lord gives us assurance of his gifts. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. God has richly blessed us with the assurance of his control. He has richly blessed us with his love. And he has richly blessed us with his gifts. His name is truly excellent in all the earth. Would you bow with me in prayer here this evening? Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for what has been a fun and exciting year. Lord, as, as we look back on our uh, last year and, and begin a, a new fiscal year here at Latham Bible Baptist Church, we're so encouraged by what you've done and what you are doing. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to keep us faithful and true to your word, that we would be a body of believers that is not swayed by every other wind of doctrine that may come from the world, but we are standing firmly resting and boldly proclaiming your truth and not wavering for anything else. God, and direct our thoughts. Everything that we do, everything that we say, Lord, everything that is done within these walls and, Lord, in our own homes, bring honor and glory to you. For you are God, you are Lord, you are our Lord. May we praise you daily as long as there is life and breath within us. May your praise be continually upon our mouth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.